Ask the GM's Podcast, Episode 3, Pet Peeves. Good evening, listeners. This is Zach from Ask the GM's. been a GM for years, and I'm here to share you with you my experiences as we go through pet peeves. Tonight, we have Pat. Hey, everybody. Patrick again. Uh, and we have some new guests joining us tonight. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself there, Rob? Yeah, uh, I'm Rob. Uh, just for some backstory, don't have a huge background in RPG-ing, but um, these guys dragged me into it, kicking and screaming, and um, I'm enjoying it while I'm here. And Brian. Um, hey, everybody. I'm Brian. Um, I also am pretty new to R- RPG-ing. Um, I don't kick and scream too much, but uh, I enjoy having fun. No fun. And back from missing last week, Ian Harper. Hello, everyone. Ian Harper here. And apologies for missing the show uh, last week. I did listen to it. It was great. Um, I wouldn't have been able to add much to it, it being Warhammer. I think I've played that game once. Yeah, uh, Ian Harper. I'm, uh, I've been playing for years, since the early 90s. I'm a veteran gamer of D&D, Rifts, Palladian, World of Darkness, all types of systems. I've I've literally been playing for I, I I can't even remember how long. Thank you, Ian. Tonight we'd like to call out Cape Fear Games. They're not our sponsor, and we'd love them to be our sponsor if they want to change their minds on that. I'm sure we'd all love to save some money there. And they're a great store in a great location. We've all spent hours playing there. We'd also like to thank Seth Skorkowski and his video, The Gamer Social Contract Revisited. This evening's episode is on pet peeves, things that irritate us either as game masters or players. And I think a big part of that topic is covering the gamer social contract and what that is. Ian, since you're a very civic-minded person, would you like to cover that topic in brief? Um, it, to to me, the 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 social the gamer social contract is is just being a decent human being, trusting the people at the table to do the right thing, uh, it being you know moral, trustworthy. It's it just like I it, like I said, a decent human being. And Patrick, um, yeah, it's just. There, and we'll get into it more as we go along tonight, talking about table etiquette, you know, getting out of the game, what you put into it. Um, just in general, it's about being well-rounded and being a good player. And um, I would like to preface our topic tonight with, it's not our intent to hurt anybody's feelings with things we're about to say. Um, we don't intend to use any of our players' names this evening because... That player's name is Greg. Everybody's Greg. Thank you, Rob. And if you're listening and the story is you, know that we still like you. We still care about you. And undoubtedly, some of these things we are guilty of ourselves. And, uh, you know, we're all just trying to strive to do better, to cultivate a better playing environment, get uh, more enjoyment for everybody. Yeah, Pat, I I want to I want to definitely want to second that cuz I am not above any of this stuff. I've totally done a lot of the things that we're going to talk about. So, yeah, I don't think any of us are 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 above this and we we definitely don't mean any any malicious intent. Yeah, I've definitely cuz prior to us recording, we were uh, talking about some of the stuff and I was like, "Oh, yeah, check that box. I did that. Yep. Oh, I've done that yep, too." So. <laughs> for sure. Same, exactly, exactly the same. I was like, "Ooh, I'm going to stay quiet on that one." <laughs> <laughs> and you, Brian? Um, I, I think, uh, I think it's a, a good opportunity for growth. If you realize that you're uh, guilty of some of these things, then it's a good chance to 
you know, become a better role player. And that's kind of what I strive to do as a, as a new player. And I think that's also an important part of the gamer social contract as well, Brian. That's a really good point is to, is not, not be a stagnant player, but, you know, change and just go with the flow and, and kind of grow with it. I think player growth and human growth is a big, important part of the hobby overall. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, totally. And from an outside perspective, Brian, um, you know, just seeing you come into RPGs or tabletop RPGs for the first time, uh, I think you've done fantastic and have uh, showed a lot of merit in your abilities. Oh, thanks. Same, yeah, I agree. And same with Rob, too. Oh, you're making me blush. <laughs> that was my intent. <laughs> so, Zach, did you want to give us some WotC news before we uh, get into things? I did. This is going to just be a brief soapbox. I know it's Ian's soapbox, but I'm going to borrow it from them. No, hey totally. Guys. Do it. Do it. With the recent news from WotC, with their release, recent news on their OGL and every time, every different flavor and way they've tried to change it, please don't give them any more money. If you want to play 5th edition, keep at it. We're not going to stop you. Just don't give them any more money. Uh, I want to second that. And, and just something to consider is I, I know everybody doesn't have this luxury. But I and a lot of my friends, we have a shared drive that has third edition, 3.5, Pathfinder. We, between everybody on this call and the network of players that we have, you can run any D&D game you want without giving Wizards of the Coast a dime. It's it's especially third edition stuff. It's accessible. It's out there, and none of the proceeds will go to Watsi. So I've actually got a question. I'm interested to hear y'all's perspective on. If I could jump in on that subject for a second, um, just as a little explainer, uh, I'm just insane about movies. I'm all about it. Go to the movies weekly. It's my favorite thing. I came across a headline earlier today um, that was, you know, ruminating on the subject of whether or not people should go see this new D&D movie that's coming out. What do y'all think about that? Do not go see that movie within the first three weeks. Yeah, that's a good point. That that's I, I would echo that. That's probably what I would say is you know wait just just wait to see it because it's not going to be you're not missing anything. But it's gonna it it might be worth seeing, but it's not it's not worth seeing in the first month. That's kind of my thought on it is because you know if you really want to see it, you're always going to be able to stream it at some point. It's going to hit some streaming service or other. Um, and that's a good point that Zach brought up not seeing it in the first three weeks because you can always if you heard him in the opening weekend, that's where. Uh, the big headlines come from so I, I agree with that and being a being a movie buff myself there rob you know i find myself frequently at the movies and that is from the trailers because i'm sure we've all or some of us have watched them there was nothing too i don't know too hooking about the trailers that make me like oh i gotta go see that um but you know one day after the third week it might be a lazy day watch like eh, there's nothing else here i'll just go watch it but who knows yeah Okay, our first topic before getting into pet peeves themselves, it's something I'm big into in addition to the gamer social contract. It's the importance of trust, as in the game master's trust in you as a, as a player and the player's trust in the game master. I'm going to let everyone know that if you're at a table, you can tell who the game master trusts and who they don't. And if you can't tell, they probably don't trust you. A case in point, Pat, we are playing Warhammer Fantasy, and you and RC critically fumbled a navigate role, and I basically stopped that scene and said we were going to fade to black and come back to you. 
And you guys were fine with that. Yeah, it um whenever Zach talks about trust, so as a player, you know, prior to that scene, Zach led us to believe that me and RC were about to be tooled up or something bad was about to happen with us. Now, it kind of there there was a point in time where even I was thinking in my brain like, oh Zach, I don't get to roll a um I don't know, something to fight off the characters or notice the ill intent of the people coming for me. But I was sitting there thinking like, okay, Zach has a plan for this to perpet, uh, you know, to push the story along to, you know, keep things going. So I was like, rather than argue with Zach about this, I'll just go with it, see what happens. And, you know, it kept the table flowing all right. And, you know, he, he didn't say, oh, yeah, now you're dead. You know, we had opportunities, so on and so forth. So just definitely it, sometimes it's better just to go along with the flow. And you yeah. can especially see it like Ian, you're another good example. Where like, hey, I'm going to do something crazy. And the DM gives you that wiggle room and that rope. That's because they trust you. Yeah, I, I was I was actually I was going to mention that that's in in almost every um call of cthulhu scenario we play uh, zach and i have to get up from the table and have a private powwow because i know something's about to happen and and again i know it's because not only does he trust me with that but like he knows something good's gonna happen from it something entertaining at least those are the table know too if, uh, if Zach gets up and, and takes somebody aside for something, it's always going to be like, a, it might not happen immediately, but in the future, it's definitely going to be entertaining at the very least. And, 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 it, and it requires a level of trust for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was just my big little thing on that. Like trust is important. Neither party wants to damage the trust of the other. It's kind of in the social contract thing as well. And if you prove you can't be trusted as a player, you're given you're not given cool roles. You're not given like little bonuses or cool scenes because you've proven you can't handle it. And it's kind of hard to get it back. Kind of just like in in real like social life, it's very difficult to uh, repair. Okay, now we're gonna get to the meat of the episode. Pet peeves. I'm going to follow Pat's disclaimer. If we literally hated you, we would tell you to never come back to our game. And we're all guilty of some of these. And for some of us, this is just an exercise of getting stress out and just getting on the record. Hey, maybe don't do some of these things or maybe be aware of them. Topic one, show up and or inform of change of plans promptly. Don't leave someone hanging on that. Zach, uh, if you don't mind, I'd hop in on this one first. Um, punctuality. If you cannot commit to something, don't say that you can. Things come up in life, you know, that's how life is. But communicate as much as possible and pri- provide as much heads up as you can. And just another thing, it isn't an incumbent upon the DM or the GM to check in with you. It is on you to check in with them because they have so many more things going on than the player is. So, you know, it's not asking too much for you to be like, hey, has things changed? So on and so forth. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Just jumping in, like whether it's a an RPG or anything, it's just about respecting the people that you have told you're going to do something, you know, like um, if you said you're going to do it, you should do it. And we all know life happens and that's fine. But you don't just not show up um, and make a best effort to be there on time, which I know is making y'all laugh coming from me uh, pretty routinely late. Um, that's my biggest thing I need to work on. But 
Yeah, it's all about just respecting other people's time. I'm a little shocked to hear, uh, Pat, you mentioned uh, players expecting the the GM to check in with them. I'm a little shocked to hear that that's an expectation. Um, well, yeah, it, it has happened in the past. There has been a Greg or two that is, you know, I and I don't understand that because, I, I don't know, I'm not a psychiatrist. I can't understand that headspace. But that has been something that uh, I think Zach and I have run into in the past. And, uh, yeah, like Rob said, it was a thing of respect. And, you know, just in, in every level of all of the game we play, communication's key. It'll make life better. Yeah, talking about expecting the, um, the GM to check in on you, the way I think about that is, like, it's kind of like work. Um, if I just don't show up to work and then they're like, hey, why didn't you tell us you weren't coming? And then I said, oh, you guys never reached out to me. Like, what? <laughs> Yeah, like real, that does. Yeah, that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great analogy. <laughs> so we had a standing appointment. Why would we reach out to you? Yep. You got anything else to add to that, Zach? It just drives me up a wall. It's that's why it was my number one on the pet peeve list. There are definitely things far worse below it, but it just drives me up a wall because it can divert like weeks of planning. Yeah, and it is tough to wrangle a bunch of adults to get in together to play this game. <laughs> I mean, I, that that is the that is the truth. I, I have noticed that starting it 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 was noticeable slightly in my twenties, but when I got into my thirties and as the as I as I progress forward, it's it's just getting more and more difficult. It, it definitely has to do with the stage of life that you're in, for sure. Yeah, that's the probably the biggest killer of any tabletop. You know, the biggest problem I'd say. Brian, would you like to handle the next topic? Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, I think, uh, the next one I would bring up is, uh, not paying attention. Um, it's similar to showing up and, and being there or communicating properly. Cause if you, if you're not paying attention, um, you know, you're, you're taking away from everybody else's, uh, you know, their experience. Um, it's disrespectful to the entire group and, uh, your people's time is valuable. So pay attention, regardless of if you're being called by your name or by your character's name. Don't be playing on your phone or playing your Switch or whatever. You know, it's uh, I think it's pretty common, unfortunately. So, Brian, I have a story about that, and I'm glad you brought that up. This this happened in a, a group of mine. Well, going back, this is going back a few years. Um, but one of the players had a habit of, uh, you, you said, you know, you were talking about being on your phone. He had a habit. Greg had a habit of, <laughs> um, watching freaking Pornhub on, what? on his what? phone. Yeah. Watching like oh videos God. on Pornhub while we're sitting there trying to play D and D. And it, it was just absolutely, I found it disrespectful and just gross to be, to be Quite honest with you. Um, now, now but, Ian, on that one, not not that this makes it better, but were you right. all in a private or public setting? I'm just curious, like how we, we play at a, a cafe. Were you were you in public? Oh no no no, we were at someone's house for this one. Okay, so, not, again, feel pretty bad. At least it's not a, like a public place. And 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 here's the kicker: is the the host of the game was married is married is still married and luckily we were playing in their garage because i don't know how homeboy's wife would have reacted if if she walked into the kitchen and somebody was watching 
you know, skin flicks on their phone while they're, while the re- everybody else is playing D and don't know how that would, what kind of reaction that would have garnered. Ian, I have so many questions. Was the volume <laughs> on? Uh, usually not. And I'm going to say usually not. I use that word on purpose. Did, did they take like extended bathroom breaks, like in between? No, nothing like that. But yeah, that's but my nothing... question: is why? What's the point? What? I, I, dude, I don't know. But it was incredibly annoying, and like, I, I never wanted to sit next to the guy. And like, you know, nine times out of ten, I always ended up be, sitting next to him just because that's the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. But you know, it. But Brian, when you were talking about that, that's the story that pops into my head. Yeah, guys, all my important character notes are on here. It's like, I have so many questions that I never want answered, even with that statement. I I feel like we could talk a whole episode about this guy. I, afterwards, you know, we we got we I got to know more facts. This is blowing my mind. <laughs> the 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 good news is is I don't think anybody here knows them. Yeah, I want the five part Netflix miniseries on the history of that guy. Yeah, but um, I I just wanted to add to um the paying attention part that Brian was talking about um because this goes into table etiquette for me, not. Only are you disrespecting the other players as far as taking up their time while you're figuring you're getting your bear, um, bearings on what it is your character is going to do whenever inevitably somebody is like, hey, what are you doing? And you're like, huh? Oh, um, what's going on? But also you're you're missing out of the game that you came to play. You're going to miss cues to where you think your character could interject and add to the story. And you're also going to miss key story elements. So, I mean, if if you're going to be distracted this whole time, what is the point in even being there? And um, another thing, um, a Greg story pertaining to this topic for me. I had a guy who seemed to not be able to sit down at the table. He had a, a hard problem with it. We were in his kitchen, and he just starts cooking a beef wellington while we're playing, just nonchalant. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, yeah. now I have a follow up question. Uh, did yeah. they share? Oh yeah, no. He th- this the Greg. American I love East. this Greg. He's a nice guy. He's one of my best friends. Um, but it it was just like, come on, man. We're here to do this now. You know, if you want to cook me a beef Wellington, that's great. But it, it, it was a little pet peeve because I still got to eat that afterwards. So you know, I can't cry too much. <laughs> And I would just like point out that we're only two pet peeves into the list, uh, and I am two for two on being guilty of these. Ian, would you like to lead the next topic? Yeah, let's um, let's see. Oh, this one, this uh, I'll, I'll hit this pet peeve because this ended a game for me. Um, and this one's coming from uh, I was DMing it. Uh, this was a D and D game that was uh, I was running it in Elon. If anybody knows where Elon, North Carolina is, I was running it there at the at the school there. And it, this game, you guys will be impressed to know that this game was going on for a year and a half. And this pet peeve right here ended it. It killed it. One of the players was being a DM judge. I don't know if you guys have dealt with this. I can do it better than you. Um, it, the, they they had just got transported from Ravenloft to Forgotten Realms, and I was there was a a scene with some drow and the flaming fist, and they were you know I'm not going to get into it, but they didn't like how the outcome of the scene went because what do you guys? I don't know if you guys know much about Forgotten Realms, but what do you think happens when you argue with 
Knights of the Flaming Fist? Like if you just start arguing with them, what do you think happens? You get a, a flaming fist up your rectum. More or less. And they they accused me of, you know, putting the game on rails. The this the story sucks. It's you know what did you do? You're destroying the game. I, I could do this so much better than you. And I was like, okay. <laughs> All right, do it then. <laughs> and we 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 never played that game again. The disrespect. The DM judge. I, I called it that from then on. The DM judge. I thought you were going into the fact like where, say, oh, your creature has ten more health than it's supposed to in the monster manual. You're not playing it right. I thought that's where you were going with it. Oh, so I call that the know-it-all. That's the that's the person that's using out-of-game knowledge that they're not supposed to have because they memorized the monstrous manual or whatever. Mm-hmm. The power. Yeah. Gamer. That, yeah, exactly. That's a different pet peeve. But yeah, the know-it-all, the power gamer, totally got that one on here. Yeah. Now, Ian, I would equate with what happened there in terms of the DM judge. Like, hey, what do you think is going to happen? It's like, okay, it's documented. It's documented in a religious work, but we'll, we'll plug this out. Pharaoh didn't like God. We'll go to Exodus and see what happened right there. Right. <laughs> and I said, oh, you're right, Zach. That does. That touches on arguing with the DM, right? We'll come back to it. But that is that would be my first pet peeve because that actually ended that ended a game that that we put a lot of work into as a as a troop. Uh, I won't just say I did. I'll say we because there was a lot of character development in that one. And the whole the whole troop was good right up there. Moving from Ravenloft to Forgotten Realms kind of is, I think, what did it. Pat, do you want to lead the next topic? Yeah, this one uh, is kind of near and dear to me. And this is talking from a GM's standpoint. You get out what you put into the game. So, for example, if I'm asking you what your character is like, what's their story? And I met with a simple, they are a mercenary. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> that one irks me. So talking more about that, in all likelihood, that character will not be memorable in a game of communal storytelling. That's what we're there to do. So if you come out with Vanilla Joe, you know, nobody's nobody's going to know him by the end. Because, you know, it, isn't it great when you're after the game? Hey, remember that one time we did this or one time we did that? I mean, I was talking to Rob prior to this game about his um, last character, Buddy, who was a mad scientist that kept on exploding with these flame pistols and i was imagining his guy was like wily e. coyote God, I blew um, up so many times oh it was amazing i had so much fun with it and whenever i say add to your character's backstory which makes more flavor for the character brings them more to life we we're not, i'm not asking you to like put a novel of a background behind your character just something for us to build off of just so we know what you're like and even recently with uh uh, called Cthulhu game, we rolled all of our characteristic traits and it ended up generating some fantastic characters because, you know, I can understand having a, um, I guess, an artistic block or lacking an inspiration, but even something simple like rolling out your mannerisms can go leagues into bringing life to your characters. Now, Pat, I got to say, you inspired me in the uh, the next game we play. I'm going to play as a character named John Doe and just be aggressively average. I, I have made that character. I had made a John Smith in a Delta Green campaign for Zach. He, he, he was ex exemplary normal that was the biggest trait of him oh yeah middle of the road whole way 
Are you going to be a mercenary too? I don't, um, I don't know. I might have to Google like what the average job in whatever campaign is and do that. But Rob, you'll probably be so vanilla that it turns out to be great. Yeah. I just blend in with a beige wall until the end when I stab the villain in the back because they weren't paying attention. <laughs> now, Rob, do you want to lead the next topic? Yeah, I'll do one. I'll, uh, so for my, uh, my first pet peeve to contribute is my number one top of my list pet peeve and that is please for the love of god do something um so like i mentioned before i don't have a huge background in rpgs um i i suppose you might say that i play a bit more casually than other people um but you know i'm here to have fun and play a game as we all are and what i mean by do something is y'all have we've we all play together obviously so y'all have uh, been there when we've been hung up on a discussion or a debate over something that is meaningless and we're just spending a lot of time arguing about something that doesn't matter like uh you know we we start a chapter of a campaign and we can go to location a b or c none of them are contingent upon the other and we've spent literally 20 minutes debating the merits of these different locations or maybe we show up at a warehouse and we're standing outside for some reason we've been talking for an hour and we haven't gone in uh, please just do something um i know that y'all have all witnessed me we've been sitting at a table and this type of discussion has gone on and eventually you'll just hear me start counting backwards from 10 um usually zach will look at me and just start laughing or chuckling because uh, he knows that what I'm about to do. Uh, and if we hit zero, I'm Leroy Jenkinsing, and we're going in right through the front door, and we're all going to have to deal with it because we took too long trying to decide what we were going to do. Or uh, yeah. what was that one, the D and D one shot we played where somebody got thrown down a hallway? Tuba horse. That's yeah. what I was gonna. That's what I was gonna remind you of is the time oh. that you picked you picked Reg up and threw him down the hall because he was being way too cautious. Yeah, we we walk in and it's like we've spent um, I don't know probably thirty real life minutes examining every tile of the floor taking one step forward at a time and eventually i just pick greg up um, i happen to be playing a large character with a lot of strength and they were a small character and i just hurl them down the hallway i'm like we gotta we gotta move this on so i got places i gotta be later we need to pick up the pace now rob in a different campaign patrick was in part of it rc was in part of it and we had a different greg and that was the resolution of the problem Let's debate about this for the next 20 minutes. We're just going to throw you through a window. What? We're just throwing you through a window. Yep. Already done. Already happened. Yep. We just rolled And they're like, it. oh, well, uh, well, I'm going to roll to stop it. And they're like, all right, well, you know, my strength is so high that it doesn't matter. <laughs> You're going through the window. But even that, like, that, that's happened before, too, where I've tried to do something either, like, just to be funny or just for the laugh or to try to move things along. And someone, you know, tries to stop it. And that's totally fine as well, because that's something happening you know if you want to roll to stop what i'm doing to disrupt whatever's happening that is great go for it um it's it's causing something to happen hey uh hey zach sometimes you get thrown down a hallway or sometimes you get pulled into hell oh man i hate it when that happens i mean i recall double natural ones appearing well one was one was influenced by luck but na double natural ones I, I, I'm, I'm going to say this. If, if I'm about to die, I will willingly spend every point of luck I have to beat that role. Oh, Ian, I thought you were about to say I, I, I was going to do everything I can to bring somebody with me. Because oh, I yeah. remember it'll drag you down. Egypt. <laughs>
Oh, good times. That one of my favorite you. things about it. He'll just like flip to an agent of chaos like that. But only when, only when it's it. necessary. Oh no, only when it's necessary. Oh, it's always necessary. I, I thought. I think I just heard Zap Zach slap his head forehead. Because <laughs> <laughs> even though Ian, you you sent me to a terrible place with just us being by proximity to one another, I couldn't hate you for it. I just I was like you you playful little scamp. Damn you. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, also, I, can't be, um, I can't be mad at you along those lines that's a that's a great way to solve this problem too if we're getting mired down in something like we've i don't know we spent too long trying to decide where to go what we should do where we should go if we should do anything um throw in a little bit of that just nonsensical chaos in there forcing the party to deal with the results of whatever you just did um you know it just kicks the story in gear keeps it fresh uh, yeah. I think, Rob, you are the quintessential barbarian in mind. You're just punching down the doors. And I believe every group kind of needs that. You know, yeah, you got some people that are thinking about it, trying to solve the riddle, and another person is just like, nope, let's go. Well, I'm glad you brought that up, solving the riddle and all, because that, that doesn't bother me as much. Like, if we're sitting here debating the puzzle, or if there's, like, some kind of catch-22 in the story where our choice is going to affect the outcome of the other thing, that's totally different. I'm, I'm perfectly happy to sit there. Um, and let that debate play out. Or if like two people are getting into like a heated discussion about something where it's interesting, sure. Um, what I'm more talking about are when like it tends to happen to us a lot at the start of a session too. When someone will recap what just happened, the keeper will go like, "Okay, what do you want to do?" And then just nobody says anything. And it's like people, are, you know, we're warming up, we're getting in gear. It's just when like literally nothing is happening. That's what drives me insane. Yep. I'm a big fan of just players seizing agency. Just like you're, you're not a, you're not a passive actor. You're an actor. Please do something. Yeah. And I always try my best to like, when I do that, um, I know that if I'm not careful, I can, you know, steal the, uh, be too overbearing. You know, I can, I can run away with it. So I try to do something that gets everybody moving and then pull back. And if people want to like deal with it and change direction, that's fine. I just, I want to get something moving somewhere. My favorite argument is who's going to open the door. Okay. So, Oh, um, holy cow. That every time. Who's going to open the door? Okay, well, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to open the door, and one of the other players that I've already talked to is going to push Greg through the door, and uh, look come what may. <laughs> yep. I'm all for tossing Greg. F that guy. All right, oh, so, so, uh, sometimes, we, sometimes we are that guy, but sometimes oh, being thrown or pushed in a door is needed. Get the button yeah. gear. So, Zach, I think we've all hit a big pet peeve. Um, what's something that you have that's a big pet peeve of yours? I'm going to read my next one. While I'm very being prompt and like giving me updates, if you're not going to come up, it's a big deal to me. This one utterly destroyed a campaign. I will not allow it to happen again. Do not erase something from someone other's character sheet without a skill roll or without permission. Do not do that. Do not do that. Do not do that. Someone did uh, that to, to a player from the 70s. Don't do that. I, I have literally never heard of that happening before until you told me that story, Zach. I've In all of my years of playing, I've never heard of someone doing that. Yeah, I think I'd be pretty upset if that happened to me. Yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't want to play with that person ever again. I mean, that just falls into um, respecting somebody's personal space and their stuff. I mean, you know, pretty. That's, pretty de that's definitely in the social contract that, that we were talking about earlier. Well, not only that, like it's you actually stole from that player, not the player it, character. You stole from the player in in real life. Stole, like, yeah, 
So yeah, any keeper, any DM, any GM, any player, if you see that happening, shoot it down. Now, if it's a conversation, Bill said he was going to spend five gold. He went to the bathroom. Bill said it before he got up. Fine. If Bill said you could touch his sheet, erase the five gold. But don't take the MacGuffin. Yeah, totally inappropriate. Brian, would you like to lead the next topic? I'd be happy to. Um, my next pet peeve, uh, and this is near and dear to my heart because it happened to me, which is very sad, um, but critiquing other players' role-playing. Um, ooh, ooh. Yeah, you know, you, you create a character and you're making it your own, and really there's no rules or laws based on um, a fantasy character's uh, voice. You know, uh, I think it's pretty stereotypical that a dwarf sounds Scottish or an elf sounds, I don't know, English, perhaps. Or aloof. And, and, and that's that's Tolkien. Yeah, Tolkien's got their own um, lore and that's standard. But if you're playing anything else, um, you know, if your elf doesn't sound quite like you think an elf sounds do you need to ask about it um you know it's possible that Kurt, you know that person's trying to grow as a role player um and then the the other portion of that is just asking why would you do that um i, I remember our two-headed serpent um campaign where ian's character was a very gruff uh detective from new york and he decided he wanted to catch a falling package out of the air and it was it was hilarious the entire time because Ian is fantastic at at delivering and describing what's happening and adding to it as he goes. And uh, Greg, the entire time, just was just not down for fun. You know, they could not enjoy the moment for what it was. And... You would have thought I killed the guy's dog, man. You would have <laughs> thought I rolled over the guy's dog with my car. Yeah, and and it's. It's sad. You know, you're you're not open to openness in that situation yeah. and, and letting it play out. Yeah. I'm oh, so glad before. that you brought up that particular campaign. I think between uh between Ian's character and Buddy the Mad Scientist, I think uh, we almost made Greg's head explode. Yeah. Seriously, we really did. We really did. And uh, as GM of that campaign, that that moment was particularly fun, but. There was a lot of Greg throwing around, oh, this doesn't make sense. Oh, no, this is not realistic. We are playing a pulp Cthulhu campaign that is just steeped in realism. Right, fellas? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, very much so. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, so realistic that we uh, Rob's character created uh, artificial fingers that were actually guns for me. That was hugely realistic. Yeah, out of like a ballpoint pen. <laughs> Um, plus as soon as i hear why would you do that um i double down like you just push my jackass button and i'm gonna make it worse that's right oh you don't think i'll do that yeah i'm doing it now (laughs) if i recall we had another player read a 30 minute paragraph of exactly what pulp is and And, um it's 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 based in realism and another point to bring back to that if uh, Brian, if we're talking about, you know, Brian was trying to uh, provide a voice for a character and another player was like, oh, that's not an elven accent, so on and so forth. At least Brian is trying and he, you know, none of us here are actors. Um, I surely have butchered many voices and many things. But the thing is that they're trying to enjoy their time uh, and grow themselves as players. 
So you should never poo-poo on somebody for that. Just uh, a, twice, like- a quick story in about that one. This was the same Greg that we just talked about from the other campaign. Can't remember what the uh, scenario was. I think it was a one-shot or something. Um, Zach, I think you might have been leading this one. The one where I played as an Italian man. Do you remember Italian, that? Italian man. Yeah, it was like only, it was a short time. That's why I think it was only a one-shot. But I, I decided I was going to play as an Italian named Giuseppe Linguini. Um, and every time I spoke in Italian, I just said words from a Wikipedia list of all the different types of pasta. You were a mind flare. Oh, mind flare. Yeah, I was yeah. a mind flare named Giuseppe Linguini. Um, and it was just, it, I think I almost gave Greg a heart attack. Um, and I loved every minute of it. Was, was Greg there? Or I'm thinking our, this was a and d game and I was the cockroach man. It was. I honestly <laughs> don't remember. I just remember reading lots of different names of pasta. <laughs> and I was so, a used um, salesman who was also a mind flare named Giuseppe so, Linguini. So I'm going to want to run down of this game offline <laughs> at, at your earliest convenience. I think the overall major point is, hey, as Pat mentioned, none of us are experts. Yeah. Brian's trying to find his voice as that character. Unless he's literally just spewing racial slurs, let him go. And it, it's it's rather intimidating to try and use a voice at the table. Um, I know a game Zach and I played before. I was playing a Minotaur with a Russian accent because I don't know why. At the time, that made sense to me. But adding that voice just adds to you just being absorbed into that campaign it coming to life for you so yeah it's just one you're brave for doing it and two you know nobody should poo poo you for you i i agree as far as you know, do it trying to do some kind of an accent or, or speak for the character that's exactly it you're stepping into that character um and we have other players that are fantastic at it um, Ian definitely being one of them, he's he's good at that too, and you know, just try to emulate the good players at the table. Oh, Plus, it's just it, it just increases the you know the feeling of escape. You know what I mean? It's it's that and that's what we're we're here to have fun in a social setting as well as just get away for a couple of hours. Excuse me, sir. Excuse me, sir. Realism. It was about realism. We talked about that earlier. <laughs> and to. Uh... To echo something Brian said earlier, uh, you made up that character. Even if it's based on something else, you made it up. You cannot do it wrong. Like, exactly. So That's a great point. Like, oh, you're not, you're not doing something that you made up correctly. Like, how can you possibly say that? I made it up. Whatever I do to it is correct. Yeah, there's no point of reference for it to, you know, whether you can say it's wrong. Ian, do you want to lead the next topic? Sure, I do. And Zach, this actually kind of dovetails off of your topic about erasing stuff off a sheet. I'm going to speak up for my teenager here. This is a pet peeve. Um, If you guys aren't aware, a a couple of years ago, my teenager tried to get into a fifth edition D&D game with a group of their friends at uh, school. And they unfortunately had to miss two games because uh, they just didn't have a ride back to to get back from the game. There's just a couple of reasons why they they had to miss two games. And after the second time they missed the game, the DM took their character sheet and gave it to another player that wanted to play in the campaign. And that was something else I had never... They came and told me that story. And guys, I was floored. I was... I have never heard of anyone ever doing that before. And I was... I was infuriated. I was in it, it and it did. They're not as interested in playing anymore. It did permanent damage to their interest in RPGs. 
Yeah, that's not cool. I mean, I've definitely had scenarios where I knew like maybe something came up and I couldn't show up and I knew that something important in the story was happening. So I know that at least one time I gave Ian power of attorney over my character because I knew that I was involved in some kind of interaction. But yeah, like, I think you you and I both do that a lot. Do that. Like, yeah. Just to have somebody take it from you is like, I, I, I'd be like, yeah, I'm done. They can keep it. I don't want to play with y'all anymore. Like if that happened. Yeah, it, it's and, and the whole the concept of giving another player power of attorney. That's I, I think that's that's something that's, you know, totally legit. Um, but yeah, I just thought this was completely uncalled for total violation of the social contract we were just talking about. Um, I, I don't know if, if you guys have had a situation like that before. I have not, but it, it sounds like it was uh, developmental trauma. You know, if, if they don't want to go back and play anymore, that's, that, you know, that sounds like a detriment. Yeah, it's, it was huge. I mean, to me, that's just another form of theft. Yeah, exactly. That's that's why when when you when you told the story about erasing from the character sheet, it that just popped right into my head immediately. Now, Pat, do you want to lead the next topic? Yeah. Um, so this one I would say is my cardinal sin, uh, GM hogging, something I'm definitely guilty of, and I strive to get better at. It's really important to give the other players at the table time to shine, and uh, oftentimes you'll be surprised how awesome it is to sit back and watch how crafty or clever the other players can be or, you know, go different avenues or different angles that you wouldn't think of at first. And uh, I don't know how you can improve upon it. I think maybe I have a problem with there being silent moments or maybe like Rob was talking about, you know, just, hey, let's go ahead and progress the story. So oftentimes I'll find myself jumping in there and be like, all right, Let's do this, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're dictating a lot of the group and hogging the GM quite a bit, and turns into a you show and not the party show. So, so on that, because I don't get to play very often, I, I feel that I do that too, because I'm like, oh, I get to play, I get to play, I never get to play. So I always limit myself of like, I'm going to do three things in my current scene and pass the buck, unless it like has to come back to me. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is something I'm definitely guilty of, and and I know that. Um, it's I don't know. It, it, you kind of just get lost in the moment. I think if 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 I'm going to offer any kind of defense, <laughs> it's it's I think that you just kind of get lost in the moment, and it's it, it. Whenever I do it, I know I don't mean any disrespect to anybody else. Like I say, you kind of just get caught up in the in the experience. And it might be a thing that a lot of GMs you know, face with, like Zach said, he didn't, he doesn't get too much playtime. So whenever he does get it, he's want to, you know, Hey, I want to do all these things. <laughs> so it, it might be a GM curse. Who knows? And I totally respect that. Actually, if, if you don't get to PC that often, yeah, you know, get, get some rack up some mileage, man. No, I mean, that all, that all makes a lot of sense. If you spend your time herding cats and making sure everybody is focused on a, you know, the storyline when you do get to play it it makes sense that you want to play so it, i i can kind of see uh i i guess i don't i don't i don't see anybody of the group here doing that but i also know that you're more experienced than me so i enjoy just watching you 
because it gives me something to learn from as a new player. Yeah, and along those lines, touching back on some things I said in the do something uh, pet peeve, like if if you're hogging the show, but you're being entertaining, that's that kind of gets a pass with me. Because again, like that's what I'm here for is to be entertained and have a good time. So especially with everyone here in this room, like if you guys go off, if you have some story arc that you want to do and you just go with it, I'm along for the ride because it's going to be, you know, entertaining and worth being there for. Yeah, so Ian, never feel like you're hogging the GM around me because I I just love watching all the zany crap you get into. So feel free, sir. <laughs> well, I, I'm a yes ander. So like Ian, if you I know we're picking on Ian right now, but Ian, if you go off somewhere, I'm gonna be like, yep, I'm there. How can I jump into this? I want to you know further whatever Ian's goal is here. Well, 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 and to be fair with that, Rob, usually the stuff I get myself into, I am gonna need backup for. So it's like. <laughs> <laughs> and Zach can attest oh, yeah. to that too. <laughs> Had to waste some good dynamite to get us out of that, sir. It was worth it though. Well, in some ways, uh, especially in our mass campaign, Ian was our, um, if anyone's familiar with Warhammer uh, 40k, our distraction carn effects. You know, he would go cause chaos somewhere and it would get the rest of the party an opportunity to go do something. So we, we definitely banked off of it. And, um, as I said, you know, it's all right to sit back and watch, you know, other people flourish and how you can learn from them. You know, whenever Ian wasn't there and we were in our Egypt chapter of mask, we, we needed that distraction carnifex you know we needed that person to cause trouble so somebody could go do something so you know i learned from him in that sense i'm like oh well he's not here somebody's got to do it i'm gonna do what, it now what was what would thaddeus do oh r- run across the yard naked <laughs> yeah and in fact it inspires me to create a character that that is that's the whole shtick he wants to be seen wants to ham it up as kind of a support character for the rest of the group. A character which, incidentally, totally would not work in D&D. <laughs> Probably not, no. <laughs> now, Pat, my name is Greg, and I just finished cutting all my toenails. I know the party just stopped a nuclear explosion. Can you come back to me? <laughs> I can almost see that scene play out. I can see it in my head. Um, you were there in the actual scene. <laughs> Was uh was an alien autopsy involved? Oh God, I'm reliving it. Oh, okay, yep, yep. So let's all say it together. Damn it, Greg. Damn it, Greg. <laughs> so okay. Zach, would you would you like me to give the audience a uh, a setup as to what we're talking about in this scene? Yes. All right. So the setup is we're in two headed serpent, and Greg decides to dissect. Uh, excuse me, sir. Head- excuse me, sir. Pulp Cthulhu, two-headed serpent. Pulp Cthulhu, two-headed serpent, which is hyper-realistic, mind you. <laughs> so there we were. Greg decided to dissect a snake person's brain, again, super-realistic, to see if he can learn something. Now, you know, this makes sense, but uh, he ends up finding nothing to be in the snake person's brain. I tell him, you know, this is what you would surmise to be a humanoid snake person's brain. Then he pulls out some venom glands, and that's that. Or so I think. Then we carry on with the rest of the party, literally the entire rest of the party, venturing out into the woods where some mystery machine has crashed, and they're investigating it and pulling it out. And mid the rest of the party, you know, progressing the story, Greg shouts out to me, 
you know, they demand to finish what it is that they are doing <laughs> and pulls the attention away from the rest of the party to himself. Now, mind you, this was a party of, you know, seven PCs, eight PCs, which, as anybody knows, is uh, a large group. And um, I haven't DM'd Pulp Cthulhu before, so it was my first time tackling that. And mind you, th the very same Greg invited himself to this campaign and didn't even bother to roll up a new character. They just grabbed an old character sheet and said they're going with that one. That's right. I <laughs> forgot about that. The recycled character. I forgot about that. My favorite part about this whole scenario was uh, while Greg was spending so much time doing all of this, I was constantly trying to do something stupid to, you know, move it along. And I believe, wasn't this where I like tasted the alien goo? You did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Yep. That was great. But this so, was after the monkey arms deal. <laughs> oh, that's right. The oh, monkey. right. Where I traded a firearm to a monkey for a relic. Yes. Yep. That blew up on your arm later. So that whole thing that that whole thing was confusing to me because I thought his scene ended two times and he didn't realize it had ended. Oh, it, it it was over. There was nothing because on the keeper end of thing, I, you know, there wasn't anything in a section for dissected brains of a snake person. I don't think it intended anybody to. So, you know, I was going along with it like, hey, you know, okay, I'll give them venom glands or something. That's not in there, but whatever. Throw them a bone. Oh, but, you ad-libbed that. Okay, I didn't, I didn't realize that. No, I, I was throwing bones. <laughs> But it's just perfect. It, it it was somebody wanting to go to a dead end repeatedly, and you know, just keep on knocking on that dead end. Being Rob, would you like to serpent person, if you will, or, or dead serpent person? Rob, would you like to get the next top? Yeah, I'll do the next one. Um, this one is maybe a little bit broad, uh, but I'll explain what I mean. Um, having situational awareness, or I guess the pet peeve would be people not having situational awareness. So this can be a number of things, and it can be um, varying degrees of annoying to me because you know sometimes it's an honest mistake where you just kind of don't realize something about um, what's going on or the setting of the story, uh, and then other times it can be dang near willful ignorance. Um, I've got two stories that kind of back this up. So from from the more forgivable end, uh, we were playing. Was it masks when we were in India? That Children of Fear. Children of Fear. So we were doing Call of Cthulhu. Children of Fear. Um, we had traveled to India in what 1920 something. Yep. Sure. And I believe we were in the uh, 1930s actually. And I the 1930s. place was Punjabi, India, I believe. Yeah. So the story had brought us to the point where we needed help from, you know, the folks in power in the area, which at the time were the British. So uh, in order to find the, uh, you know, officials that we wanted to find, we went to some fancy like country club place and we're standing outside, you know, debating our angle of uh, approach. And um, a couple of our uh, players decided we're going to go on in there and just ask at the front desk. So I decided, you know what, my character is going to wait out here. And they're like, oh, you don't want to come in? And I was like, no, certainly don't. And they were like, okay, 
So they walked in, you know, very shortly thereafter, they came right back out, having been stonewalled at the front desk. And they were like, why wouldn't this guy talk to us? They wouldn't do anything. And I'm like, well, it's because it's 1930s India controlled by the British. And uh, that character is a woman and that character is an Arab man. So, of course, they're not going to let you in. They're not going to talk to you. They're not going to give you anything. My character was a famous white man. So um, I then walked in having not been associated with those other folks and they fell all over themselves to give me what I wanted. So that's in my mind, super forgivable because you're, you know, it might not be at the forefront of your mind that like, Oh, I'm going to have to role play racism, but like, you know, yeah, it was, it was not my thoughts that night, Rob, because <laughs> that, that was definitely me. And uh, I, you know, I'm not the best in certain areas of history. And it was kind of an eye opener. I was like, oh, wait, I'm playing an Arab man, which was like the first time I've ever done that. And it's like, oh, I can't go into this white establishment, son of a bitch. And yeah, to, but be also, fair, to be fair, yeah. Rob mentioned racism. It was not very, like, I could have played that far worse than I did. It was more like, no, you're just not allowed in. Oh, for sure. For sure. But also, again, that's on the more on the forgivable end, because that's something easy to forget. And also it made for a funny moment in the story. So like I, I whenever we're playing, I always kind of see it in my head as a movie or imagine how it would be if it was a movie or TV show or something. And I'm like, I can just see that comedic beat of they walk in there. One guy stands behind because he knows what's about to happen and they come out. You know, it, it's it was funny. But um, some other things that will happen sometimes are when like the keeper is just falling all over themselves, trying to point you in a direction or hand you something important to the story. And you are just not having it. Uh, the example for this one, um, Zach, you'll have to remind me, what was the name of the campaign uh, with the, you know, the story I'm about to tell where I played as Frank and there was the man in the rocking chair. So it was, it wasn't a whole campaign. It was a scenario. It's called Blackwater Creek. Blackwater Creek. Okay. So early on in this scenario, we show up to the general area of the story and we go to this tiny little town. I hesitate to even call it a town. It was basically a crossroads with a few buildings. So, um, you know, we're walking through town. I think we've already been to one building. Um, we leave a building and we're, you know, trying to progress with the story. Zach's being the keeper. And he's like, yeah, you're walking through town. There's a few ramshackle buildings glossing over everything, just given some like light, you know, surroundings. So we know where we are. And then he goes into deep deep detail about this one old man sitting in a rocking chair he did everything but tell us what color shirt the guy was wearing um so i'm sitting there going all right we need to go talk to that guy and everybody else says no it's okay we're gonna move on we're gonna leave town and i'm like no 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 we we're supposed to talk to that guy and it went back and forth a few times where they're like i don't think so i don't think that's important and finally i just had to say i was like if this was a video game and we had visuals this person would have a ray of heavenly sunlight beaming down on them. The little click X to talk to this person thing would be floating above their head. Um, he's, he's telegraphing that we need to go talk to this person. So I always describe it as like the difference between a, a photograph and a painting. You got to be aware that like, you know, in something like a photograph, there might be things in the background that you didn't intend to be there. But if a DM is describing a situation to you, it's not a photograph, it's a painting. The only things that are there are things that they put there. So everything that's there is there for a reason. And it just really bothers me when people don't um, pick up on that and they'll let something go when it's obviously there for you to notice. Uh, it gets a little frustrating to me. I agree with that. Um, it, it's similar to pay attention. Like if, yeah. if, if there's detail being put into something that's, it may seem obscure or like, oh, it's a, it's a man in a rocking chair or, 
It's a kid by the well. Well, why are you saying that? That just is it just oh, just there for no reason. Nope, it's there for a reason. And that's it's intuitive of you to know that. Yeah, or um kind of wrapped up in that same thing. Um the the best way I can describe this is like acting like you've experienced western storytelling before. Uh, I know I watch way too many movies and too many TV shows, so I'll pick out patterns of story um you know relatively easily but it always drives me nuts if we're walking as a party down the street and the dm's describing you know shady figures like backing around corners and i'm like okay we're about to get ambushed we need to be ready for that and the party will be like no we're fine and i'm like no we're very obviously like you know this all these things that we've seen mean that this is about to happen and people will say why do you think that and i'm like because of every story ever you know (laughs) because everything i've ever read something i a movie i saw last night in fact (laughs) Right. There's only like, what, eight stories and we're in one of them. So that's why. (laughs) Very good, Rob. That was very succinct. Uh, I'm going to do two topics really fast, just because one's been mentioned before. Do not fight, argue, or cajole with the GM. Politely debate and move on. You gain nothing from fighting God. In fact, you piss God off. Yes, you do. That's the only outcome to that situation. A similar topic, and all of you have seen me do the pantomime of this. You must keep tempo with your fellow players. Imagine all the players are passing the volleyball around. You need to keep tempo with them. Yeah this, one kind of, yeah, this one kind of goes back to do something. This one's for sure. This one's uh, do something and do it now. Well, not only that, also pay attention. So if the ball's getting passed to you, you got to be ready. Your hand has to be up. You don't want to give up the point. I mean, Greg, Greg, hey, Greg, Greg, it's your turn. <laughs> yeah, Pat is literally reenacting something that happened in our most recent game. Greg, 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 huh? Greg. Well, I'm just... It, it's creating anxiety. Sorry. Damn it, Greg. Are you guys talking to me? It's like, we're all looking at you saying your character's name. Ian, do you want to take the next topic? Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> this one is something that I don't like as a player or a, a game master. This is this one's kind of a, a, a twofer. And this is uh, uh, other people taking my turn for me and telling me what I should and should not do. Um, I don't know. It's uh, if I need help, I'll ask. It's it's not to be rude, but it's just if if I'm not res- if I'm not responding right away, I might need to put my thought together or something. But I, I just I'm not down for for people taking their turn for me. Or or when I'm running the game, I don't like to see it happen either to other people. The goal in that, and some people call those people armchair generals, is just give advice. If that person's going to make a mistake, they can live with it. Yeah, absolutely. I, agree with this one. I, um, I just don't like being rushed, like whether it's a RPG or, or anything else. I, I react a bit negatively to, to feeling like I'm being rushed. Now, sometimes, you know, like we've talked about with do something and all that, sometimes you need to be rushed, but there's a right way. Yeah, I, I appreciate gentle guidance um, as far as maybe you shouldn't do that. Because, you know, there's a level eight person to do that, you know, that's going to inflict their will in your level one. Uh, but and I appreciate that, but I don't don't tell me what don't don't tell me what to do. You're not my supervisor. Also, Brian, in that same indicator, it's kind of like either reading Tippo and it's not the same topic, but it's very similar. If the DM says, are you sure or do you want to go with in with that or are you OK with that? Be aware that the landmine has been seen. Mm hmm. I agree. That's a classic statement. Sometimes it's fun to poke the bear. (laughs) Agreed with that too. 
So my favorite thing that Zach says is, I will allow you to do that. I will allow you to do so. Or another one is, uh, or another one is, you don't have to, but it's your election to do so. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I always know something good's coming when Zach says, that is your election to do so. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Me internally, it's like, what kind of fireball is this going to be? It's like, oh, that's up. Okay. Brian, would you like to lead the next topic? Uh, sure. So um, my next one, and this is probably on lines with that social contract, but uh, my, one of my pet peeves is uh, lying about your roles. Okay. So personally, I use a dice tower and uh, everybody can see what I roll. Uh, but if you're um, counting your pearls there and you got your hands covering your, your dice and you say you got an extreme success in pulp. Oh, wow. That's cool. The fourth one of the night, I don't believe you. Um, and I'd like to see it personally. Um, you know, for one, honesty is a great policy. And I am a uh, what you would refer to as a radical uh, honest person. So you're going to hear my opinion regardless of if you want to or not. Um, and then uh, the next portion is failed rules can be a hell of a lot of fun. <laughs> and uh, I'll point at Ian's character during the last Delta Green um, game we played. That was your character went insane very quickly. Um, and that was hilarious and a lot of fun to be around. And it's because you failed a lot of roles. So, so yeah, for, for me, um, the roles, even seemingly small ones, are going to change the story. Mm-hmm. So if if you succeeded versus failing, failing might actually garner a better result in my mind. Yeah, it gives you more of a it gives you an opportunity to, you know, RP something that you might not have expected to RP and in general go a different direction. And it definitely gives the keeper fuel for stuff later. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm glad you brought this one up. This is another one that like it gets me not not even necessarily within the specifics of role playing or like a role playing game. It's just like you know, I ain't a liar. Don't be a liar. You know, I don't. You're not fun to be around if you're going to be a liar. Yeah, and uh, we know for sure Rob doesn't do it because he his flame pistol blew up on him three times. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah the, the, say, back the, to that reference of me exploding so many times. Yes, the 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 punching fireball bracelet thing where you punch mm-hmm. and it shoots out fireballs. Yeah, and he just read or er, um, rolled a hundred, just so happened like three times. Didn't I? It? Like it exploded, and then I got a new one, and then immediately tried to use it, and it immediately exploded again. Correct. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly great. what happened. Which goes to show how, like Ian said, a bad roll can it added to the story it made it more dynamic it made it more fun should never have traded my perfectly good pistol to that monkey for that exploding bracelet it's a slippery slope man we'll we'll chalk that one up too sounded like a good idea at the time yeah and yeah, i know that doesn't cheat because i used to play 40k against him and i've seen him melt his own dudes yeah that's that's great and i i bring really dumb big dice that are very visible <laughs> And and don't don't use dice trays. Just throw it right in the middle of the table. Because why not? And everyone here knows I don't cheat because you've seen my shit rolls. Yeah. Which 90 are you going to roll this time? Yeah. Great when he's also, a GM and he runs enemies. Yeah. That's when also, he like, hot, though. What's the point? You know, like, what's the point of cheating your dice roll? Because, like, yeah, we're playing a game, but it's not like you're going to beat us. We're all playing together. So what do, what are you trying to accomplish by cheating? 
by yeah. being the best. I need to win everything. It's like, okay, that's not really a fun story. Hey, it's the story of the guy that won everything. Okay, Jeff Bezos, see you later. Yeah, everything went your way and nothing bad happened. That's boring. And unrealistic. Not that these games are realistic, but... No, nope, they, they are they? totally... No, they're grounded in reality, just like Superman. <laughs> and the Shadow. And... <laughs> Again, they make for great moments. Remember that one cultist, Zach, when we were all uh, French knights and he was just jacking up dudes in full plate armor with just his little knife? Oh, John Wick and his brother that also like knifed one of you down? Like, they yeah. went the distance. <laughs> Again, I'm a guy. it made a memorable story. <laughs> I'm a guy in a gherkin. Well, I'm a full Frankish knight. I guess I'm going to gut you. What? <laughs> Now, Brian, I had the same topic on my list. It's a little different as a game master because I have it as don't make me make all the players roll in a dice tower because sometimes you have to be more broad or more polite about it because you can only call it out so many times. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's and I I like guess, yeah, I don't think any of y'all do it. I, I trust y'all. You know, it's a it's a trust thing. It's I, I've seen it happen and I know other players have seen it happen. And I know RC and I both have locked eyes and I've seen RC just say, you know, mouth BS to me because Greg's across the table. So it's it's unnecessary. Hey, Zach and I have had discussions on this, Greg, before. <laughs> so I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and admit something. And I hope that this doesn't damage trust. In, in me as a player, but there was one sanity roll that I failed that I actually passed and I fudged the dice so that I would purposely fail it. And I'm not going to tell you which sanity roll it is. I'm going to let you guys try to figure it out offline, or maybe if you want to try to take a couple shots at it now, that's fine. But I did the opposite. I, I wanted to fail this sanity roll, so I, I kind of just knocked that dice with my pinky by accident and boom, that, that turned into a 96. Well, I'm going to say, you know, with especially with Zach and I, who have been playing for quite some time, we've all had our moment of weakness throughout the years. But as as long as it's not like a regular seven times every session, so on and so forth, that's when it's a major problem. Because, I mean, who Zach, can you think of times you've uh, flubbed a roll? I have definitely intentionally adjusted dice to not hurt people. Also, oh, Ian. Definitely on the GM side. Also, Ian, in terms of intention, you chose a fun option. Like, you went for fun. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. the the occasional flub in service to the story, I'm all right with. See, that's why I did it, because I was like, okay, if I pass this roll, that's great. But if I fail it, dude, it's going to add so much spice to the story. It's going to, and it's not just going to be me. Everybody's going to feel the effects of this. Rob, would you like to go for the next topic? Yeah, um... I'm getting a little lower on my list, so these are these are ones that are a little less. Uh, I get a little less heated about. So um, this one I haven't seen too much, but it has come up in a prominent um, campaign that a few of us played together. Uh, edge lording. So I'm sure everyone knows what edge lording is, but just to define what it means to me is uh, going above and beyond to be contrarian or overly edgy for its own sake. Um, I got a story for this one, too. I'm trying to decide. It was one particular campaign where one Greg did it an awful lot, and I'm trying to think of the best. Uh... Oh, it's, right, it's, so... it's definitely the diplomat. Yeah. So we're back to India. Same campaign, actually. Um, 
we decided at this point in the story we needed to what get into nepal i think and the only way we were going to do that is with help from a british diplomat so you know we go and try to find him and again in this campaign my character was a rich famous like frank sinatra-esque lounge singer type guy um so we kind of pulled the fame strings to get a meeting with this person and we go in the whole party goes in to talk to this fella um and you know we're opening up asking him for help uh the what makes this awesome is they immediately make clear so zach is the keeper immediately makes clear that we are going to get what we want like we're we're given what we asked for almost right off the bat uh and then this person has to pick a fight and i think zach i'm gonna let you take it from here because there's some details that i always mess up about like why he started this so they're in the consulate's office and he's writing the entry into Tibet for all the party members. There's a little like makeup screen, the little standing screens that like the English love, where it's just like to divide a wall that doesn't exist. And there's a guy hiding behind there. And our Greg like starts calling him out on it. Like it's like, hey, there's a guy like hiding behind that screen. It's like, and the consulate didn't care because the consulate knew he was there and he kept on pushing it like it was a big deal. So the consulate just like picked up his little hand and like all the players saw him like reaching toward a little bell. And Robert Robert, Pat, you definitely called our Greg out on that conversation before. Oh, yeah. Several of us were like, dude, stop. We're, we're being handed what we want. Like, please stop. Didn't we? And I'm, I'm really fuzzy on this, too. Did we not end up in prison because of this? Y'all, y'all did. I left. Yes, we did. Not, not your rich, fancy pantsness. <laughs> that was smart enough to. Yeah, oh, uh, they, they got arrested. Don Don skated out of there on his uh, white rich guy privilege. Well, because uh, this this Greg Ian, he was threatening threatening a consulate. So I mean, that go, no reason. That, that yeah, that goes back to the situational awareness thing too. Well, not only threatening him, he's th- he's threatening him in their embassy, like he's in the consulate's office. And then he tried to fight like five beef eaters at once or something when they came to arrest him. Yeah, he's like, I got this. Like, no man, no, no you, you don't. don't. <laughs> But all, all through that campaign, this Greg was doing it. Um, now, again, I like I said earlier, if you want to make up a character, that's great. I'm all for doing whatever you want. But all the, you need to strike a balance between that and the situational awareness. So he wanted to be like secret agent man from the CIA and all that. But he also, for some reason, was a, a follower of the old gods and stuff and like worshipped Thor and I'm like, whatever. Okay, cool. Whatever you want to do. But just know that this is like, you know, early 1930s American CIA no you're not that's not happening like um picking a fight with church ladies because they said they were christian missionaries and he's like well like try to fight old ladies in a in a inn like you need to stop i believe when we were in said prison cell in that place uh he was just shadow boxing just in his prison cell while we're just sitting there groaning like why are we here yeah, it's just like, dude, you're making me tired. Give it a rest. You're making me tired. I love that. <laughs> I also recall well, said Greg being like, hey, we need to interrogate this guy for information. Okay, I'm going to cut his carotid artery. I'm like, okay, I guess you didn't want very much information because he's dying. <laughs> yeah, like just straight up murdered a guy. Like not six steps from the door of the cult hideout that he just walked out of. Yeah. And then just wanted to like leave him there. And I'm like, no, we kind of have to like hide the body now. Um, Rob, this was the same campaign, same, same individuals we're talking about. It was very early. We were in China, I think Siam. And um, oh, yeah, the alley thing. Yes. Tell the story. Alley Somebody's like, I want to find the black market. All right, you find some shady dudes in the alley. And then, you know, of course, shady dudes, uh, con guy 
that's asking them and then gets in a fight kills kills one of the shady guys i believe all the guards in town and you know our characters had just met each other and um edgelord edgelord greg he puts um i think it was a, a officer or somebody in a headlock in the middle he puts, of a crowd he puts, he puts one of the guards in the headlock and then he tries to like whip his pistol out i'm like okay my my favorite part about that scenario was when he like asked who was going to help him and one by one all of us said some version of my character back slowly into the crowd and disappears because it's like we we've only known you for two hours why are you looking at us to save you from doing crazy dumb things and i i remember rob going like yo i'm melting into the crowd and we're all like yeah we are too we we aren't risking our reputation in this town on this chump and it, it wasn't like we got jumped by the story or something and then left him high and dry. He created these situations. And in all of them, we told him, we're like, hey, this is not going to go well and we are not going to back you up. Like, why are you doing this? And he just forged ahead. And so we're like, all right, I'm, I'm out. I'm leaving. Dude, you guys, I just got finished with a five minute laughing fit. This 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 Children of Fear campaign sounds amazing. And I wish I could have been a part of it. <laughs> Oh, it, was it, like- w- it made me laugh too because it was text based. We were playing over Discord. So just like the timing was hilarious of all of this stuff. We'd be like, hey, you probably shouldn't do that. And then there'd just be a pause. And then a note would pop up that says, like, I stabbed him in the face. And I'm like, good God damn it, Greg. Oh, yeah. Ian, I, I don't know if, Zach, I don't know if you can answer this for Ian, but is it still able to be read? No, yeah, it, it is. is. It's super is. So Ian, you might be able to go read it. I, I think I had one of my favorite character arcs happen in that game. I think oh, you know it, the it, it it exists in text. I love it. No, L- Lindsay had a fantastic character. Oh yeah. Yeah, Pat, I really liked your character, the trader guy. Yeah, the um the he he was he was based off of basically um the mummy returns the uh arab guy with that tribe yeah, i think that was your avatar too right a picture yeah, of that, that was guy my at the time yeah, no. and he was basically a silk road merchant so he knew a bunch of languages and stuff like that and he was essentially y'all's guide for at least the beginning part till we met up with the priest yeah honestly i think that's my favorite uh rpg campaign that i've been a part of was that uh i'm a little bummed that we i don't think we ever actually finished that one soon no, after the nepal situation we, we kind of trailed off yeah but uh, yeah, I definitely. You, uh, I think uh, Lindsay's character, my character, and your own character were pretty much like the star trio in that, and they really shown well. Yeah, I can say that, as the person who ran that, that they are up there with my favorite characters of all time. Yep, that was the the first campaign where Zach gave me sanity points for a zippy one liner. Loved it. Yeah, that's cool. That's great. I love that. All right. Thank you for joining us for Ask the GMs. Part two of Pet Peeves will start shortly. Thank you and have a great afternoon.